0: Good day, I am Konnuta Hunter, and this is the ballot box. The people
1: themselves will lead from the front because the
0: ANC has sold out the people of South Africa. For the first time ever, the DA is a candidate in every single ward in the country. Let us now go out there and take back our towns and our cities.
1: We are the African National Congress. And we've been serving the people of this country for the past 27 years. The African National Congress will deliver.
0: With the upcoming municipal elections, the spotlight is on the state of municipalities across the country. While it is no secret that a third of all municipalities are dysfunctional, those who are functioning on paper barely deliver adequate services. The question we ask today is... Can local government be saved? Are the interventions put in place working? Or is it like trying to save a dying horse? In today's episode, we are diagnosing the malaise in local government and figuring out what the right antidote should be. Are the right people being appointed? And why inefficient people, some of whom can barely use a laptop, are appointed to handle billions of rands of public funds? My guest today was recently appointed as Deputy Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs in August 2021 by President Cyril Ramaphosa. She was previously the Mayor of Pulukwane and the President of the South African Local Government Association. Tembing Kadimeng, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you very much and uh, good uh, morning to our uh,
0: listeners. Or should I say good day, yes, good day to our listeners. You may not remember, but in 2019, it was during the national election campaign, President Sol Ramaphosa was in Limpopo, I think it was Sisekho, and he was meeting the community and listening, I was with him, and he was full of praises for you. He made it very known that he was impressed with the work that you were doing as mayor of Polokwane. And so when you were promoted in August, I I remember that that incident, and I thought you definitely made a good impression on the president. How's the new job? Well, uh, local government is a
1: very difficult sphere. Um, I'm not undermining the national and provincial sphere. But we are closer to the people. We are the heartbeat uh, of your life every day before you experience any other thing. So it comes with quite a—it's a huge responsibility. It comes with quite a lot of demands, but it also forces you to be on your toes to be able to service the people every day. But I think I am—I'm—I'm am, getting used to the office. I'm, I'm coming okay. I'm confident I'll be able to changed the lives of South Africans.
0: So were you shocked when the president called you to give you this new assignment?
1: Oh, yes, I was. I wasn't expecting anything. Uh, We were almost moving towards the end of the term. And it came as a a huge surprise, shock, uh, frozen uh, a bit. But, uh, you know, it is the responsibility of the president to appoint, as you say, I haven't had the opportunity even now to ask him really (laughs) why, but I appreciate the the offer to come and join the collective of local government sector and save our people. But to be uh, precise, I was very shocked.
0: So is there a difference between working in local government and then dealing with local government on a national level?
1: Look, one uh, supports the other. Uh, let me start with the national department and to a certain extent provincial departments. They work hand in hand. You know, each and every province has an MEC who sits in Minmec with the minister. And they're the ones who are dealing with the policy directives uh, of COGTA who are assisting how municipalities can implement uh, quite a number of issues. You might be aware the president, for example, has uh, in consultation with COGTA announced the district development model. So that's the intention of what the department is about. So one leads to make sure that the systems are made user-friendly, the legislation, they come up with circulars together with National Treasury to harmonize, synergize, but also to ensure that there is service delivery that takes place. So they put the targets, they put the issues municipalities are on a day-to-day supposed to implement that. Hence, they need to submit to the department at their provincial level monthly reports of how are they doing, quarter reports, and the system fits through to national culture at our MinMEX, where the minister, deputy ministers with MECs looks into how we deal uh, with the issues. So we are more centered about ensuring that the municipalities perform their basic tasks. In fact, were tasked by the legislation, which is the Constitution of South Africa, Section 154, that as a department, we carry the responsibility of supporting municipalities together with the provincial departments of cooperative governance. So there is that relationship, a bit different in this instance, but it's more about ensuring that the sphere
0: in its entirety thrives. But you were the head of Salga and Salga this year uh, found that only seven municipalities in the country are doing well. 31% of municipalities are dysfunctional, 30% are functional, and 32% of municipalities are in distress. In other words, things are really, really bad in local government. Why is this?
1: The responsibility of uh, Salga being one of the stakeholders is the government assessment of bottlenecks for effective and efficient governance, which is what I was talking about, ensuring that the space is user-friendly, both for government, but also for municipalities who are, in this instance,
0: implementing
1: agents, if you may want to call them, for the sphere. But the biggest challenge is that, as government, generally, we're still operating in silos. And this has a negative impact on our government holistically is run. And it impacts negatively and directly to our communities because as I said earlier, the functions that municipalities perform are mostly felt on a day-to-day by our communities. So this leads to a lack of coherence planning and implementation, hence the introduction of DDM, which places amongst key issues the issue of partnership in government to ensure one of the major things, which is accountability. As we are sitting today, the municipalities, there are 30 municipalities which the department has placed under administration bring in direct support uh, physically into those municipalities i mean we are working as cocter now uh, with national Treasure on ensuring what can we do not to just release uh, the second change of the money in december of the uh, revenue allocation to municipalities which couldn't properly account for the first six months so much as we need to support them, we need to hold them accountable when the support has been given. And this is the area which wants us to really firm up as a department, but also as a country, and demand accountability everywhere else where uh, people either in political office, either in our administration office, they service us. And this is where we've been
0: lacking as a cocktail but also as municipalities. You spoke about municipalities which are under administration. And there's, there's a few things that comes to mind. The first thing is, I believe the system is flawed in that the legislation allows for the municipality to completely fail before an intervention can be put in. That's the first part that I want you to comment on. And then the second part is, have we really seen any good turnaround strategies as a result of municipalities being put under administration. And I think not. I had this conversation earlier this week with, um, de Quana, the newly appointed MEC for cocktail in the free state. And he says there are some times where administrators will be put sent into, into areas and they leave with the municipality being far worse than what it was when it was placed under administration. And one can argue that that's what's happening in the Northwest Do you think that the system is flawed and do you think there's a better way to do things? Well, there's always a better way to do something if you're looking at it
1: on hand side. But maybe let me deal us to do we think the system is flawed, not entirely flawed. The problem, I will make an example, it still goes to the silos. For example, each and every municipality must compile a report legislated according to the MFMA which is called a Section 71, which means tell us what we have done this month, reconcile it financially, and send it to your provincial treasury and your national treasury, who are the custodian of the funds. Cocta does not get that report. But there's nothing which stops us as the department and national treasury to work together to be able to ensure that we use that report as an early warning system so that we are able to know one, The municipality has compiled and reconciled its book in month A or in month 1 and has not done so in month 2. And you immediately go there as a coctor and intervene. So, yes, the system might not have been designed in a way that it lists coctor as a recipient. But there's nothing that stops us as government to work together with provincial treasury and national treasury to ensure that we do not wait for the AG who says annual financial statement at the end of ACAS. That is the end of the financial year has not been submitted. And then you check with the National Treasurer. National Treasurer actually, they only submitted Section 71 for two months. So we wouldn't be in a position where we are at if we could harmonize and work better. Yes, on another hand, there are areas of the systems which we are at the discussion level, at the National Assembly, which we think need to be relooked. I mean, we are 21 years in December 5 this year as a sphere of local government in South Africa. We have learned that the thin line between oversight, which is performed by councillors, and or handing over to administration when they are the employer as council themselves, also makes the lines to be blurred and accountability. To be difficult. It's like you are saying to me as a councillor, I'm giving you 10 rand, go and implement it. But you are also saying to me as a councillor, receive reports from administration on a month-to-month basis and a quarter basis on how you have performed and approved the budget. In case you didn't do well, a committee which is made up of councillors must oversee how council, together with its administration has performed its oversight. You can see that the lines are bled there and the difficulty of accountability and consequence management just needs to be ironed out at that stage in terms of improving the system to be able to deal with that. And the last part of your question talks to the quality and the calibre of administrators. Uh, In an example where you say you send as scooter but they leave the municipality in a worse state. Cabinet has just approved a criterion which has been sent by COPTA, the minister, in June, July this year, to detail exactly who can be an administrator, how could we source it, how could we fund it, how long should it be, what are the terms which place a municipality consistently from province one to the other under administration, just so to make sure that such there is improvement. But even under such difficulties, there are municipalities which have been placed under administration listened to and implemented what we call the recovery plans, which we developed together as COCTA and National Treasure. And they've gone out of administration and they're able to perform it. So it's not that it's all lost. Yes, there are shortcomings and weaknesses in the system. But if there was commitment for all of us to work in salvaging these municipalities, we actually don't even need a law to tell us that we must collect rubbish on
0: a day-to-day where our residents are staying. So you spoke about the Auditor General. And the reality of it is that every year when the reports are released about the state of local government, it is scarier than the previous year. You hear stories about just municipalities who simply do not file Uh, financial reports. There's just nothing. And one such municipality was the Mafube municipality um, that I featured earlier this week. And you have stories about, you know, unqualified audits. You have stories about how money is spent with absolutely no reconciliation. I mean, we know how bad the state of municipalities are. But then what you have after the reports are released is Council's merely noting reports. So if you are the Malusha Apufong municipality, there's very specific recommendations made by the Auditor General in that report saying there needs to be administrative stability. There needs to be political stability. This is what needs to be done. And all the council will do is we note the report and move on like life is normal. What needs to change so that A, We don't wait for the AG to make those reports and there's that early intervention. And B, who is going to be the principal with the stick? Is it going to be you in Cogta? Does it need to be the president? Who needs to hold the stick to councils to say, implement these reports that include recommendations around consequence management for staffers, for example?
1: Look, I I indicated earlier on that, for example, there are two, three tranches which goes to municipalities in terms of finances. And the next one is coming or should be coming out, distributed to municipalities now in December. We've already, together with National Treasury, are putting plans in place, writing letters to municipalities for them to meet certain conditions before the money could be transferred
0: meaning so you're not going to get money you're not going to get money for
1: example a direct example of what you are saying the ag last year said one two three must be taken to cancel such a case must be opened against such an individual please attach the case number please get all the counselors to sign the resolution that they've set and they've done this but remember we've championed together with the late and may his soul rest in peace the former Auditor General, uh, Mr. Kimi Makwetu, the amendment to the Public Audit Act, which now allows the AG to start from where he was the previous year. So if there was a finding against Municipality X, the AG even has a right to demand the money back from council which did not tabulate the report, did not open the cases, did not deduct the money uh, from the individual. Let's make examples like, you find instances where municipalities, and not only in municipalities, there's fraud which happens in the form of double payment. Your code and my code for payments are not the same. So you could be able to get into the bottom of who made a particular transaction. And the AG will say to cancel, so-and-so must be charged, and must pay back the money, whatever it must be, and must be deducted from his salary. Boom, come the following year, AG comes back, that is before the amendment. The person has not been charged, the money has not been paid back, but council has taken the decision to write it off. Now AG has the powers to say, you didn't do it, you are 90 counselors, before the money could be transferred to you, we will want the following that must happen. And that will be tangible proof. So it will take us into consequence management. And why was this amendment made to happen? It was because there are many instances where the AG in the same municipality will say, stop doing A, B, and C, take responsibility for D and E, and council will still go back and do one and the same thing repetitively with no consequences. So we're getting out of that realm. So we're playing our part as well in saying, you should have met these uh, requirements as council. We will not be able to transfer your chunk. What we are planning on not doing, because if we don't give municipality A, the money, it means your waste will not be collected. It means you may not have water supply. While you are paying, but government needs to find ways possibly to ask the Department of Water Affairs through its water port to directly supply water there and the money be transferred there directly. But we have learned from our experience that you cannot keep on plowing financial resources where accountability lets and deliberately so. So you've got to fix the non-accountability issue and then making sure that you do not punish the citizens of them receiving the services that they so deserve because you are fixing accountability so that's what we are putting up in table and the requirements for the the patch of december to be released to
0: municipalities i was going to say i worry about residents being punished uh, for the inefficiency of councils. Because what you see in dysfunctional municipalities, where grants are given, there's no accountability, then grants are withheld by national government. And as a result, basic services are just not delivered. And so what happens is that you, you see the residents being punished for inefficiency of their politicians. And I worry that that this level of consequent management is is simply going to just make it worse for residents and not better for them. The introduction of the district
1: development model is to create centers of excellence in those districts where local municipalities report. And I'm saying district municipalities are doing much better in comparison to local municipalities. There are some, areas that will need to be supported. But the model says those are centers of excellence in that area to assist the local municipalities to perform their functions. In the instance where the district cannot be able to perform that function, the best that will then be done will be the department, which is the custodian of that program. For example, housing, uh, for example, water uh, and sanitation with regard to wastewater, et cetera will then be an implementing agent for that particular municipality. Let's take a live practical example. The Department of Water and Sanitation is assisting with the province at Mfuleni municipality to deal with their sewer uh, problems. You are no longer channeling funds directly into Mfuleni, but into the provincial and the national department to fix the problem of the communities. While you are dealing with consequences at Mfuleni, a local municipality. So those are examples that I'm making. So we need to ensure that we support the district development model to ensure that the social economic challenges that are faced by local municipalities are directly becoming the problem of government. But my last part on this question is communities as well, citizens as well, local government is the only sphere where we are constitutionally obliged to talk to communities through the IDP. So there's no way that they do not have a room for ensuring or demanding accountability. Council meetings themselves are public meetings. So there's no council meeting, at least not now under COVID, which is private. And I know councils do issue invitations and logins, ins but it does not necessarily happen. So we also need to stand up as communities demand the service that is enshrined in our laws and our constitution that we should be deservingly receiving. But if you
0: look at a community like Mfuleni, how was the situation allowed to get to where it is? What is the issue? Is it unqualified people? And and, I mean, the people who are appointed to some municipalities earn more than the president. Why is this? Why are unqualified people appointed to jobs in municipalities?
1: Well, it's quite a number of mixed bag issues. One, it's it's direct nepotism and corruption, and it needs to be dealt with in such. Because of the political instability at municipalities, it is very difficult to attract qualified people. But also, municipalities do not open up space for professional uh, institutions which want to open up, uh, come and assist in the running of the affairs of the municipality. So I think we need a threefold approach, and community being the first one. So in the community, you find professionals, you find there could be accountants or any other, who are even willing in some instances, or even professional bodies, to assist the municipalities. And that room and the law has not been allowing it so clearly to receive such form of assistance. The last part is we need to ensure that we professionalize local government. If you want to be a lawyer, for example, you belong to a particular bar, there's peer review mechanisms, there's entry level and all that, clearly stipulated. Chartered accountant, the same. We need the same at local government. We do believe both in the political deployment arm Hence, we have been having a a, a very strong discussion with political parties to hold and and bring councillors who qualify and will be able to perform sound oversight over qualified officials. So it means the integrity of the sphere itself needs to be turned around so that it can attract qualified people, it can sustain such qualified people, it can then be able to receive through institutional capacity and growth of the institution when they retain such. So attrition at local government, both administratively and through political deployment of councillors, is too high. I mean, in the last term of 2016 ending in 2021, we are going to see an attrition of no less than 90%, which means the councillor whom we have invested in in the past five years through education, through university programs, uh, run by COCTA, LG Cita, and many stakeholders, SALGA is gonna be lost. You are going to start afresh when there has been no requirements. So you do not build capacity. You do not retain the capacity that you have already built to ensure that the system becomes richer and it becomes more knowledgeable. But there are gaps. The same in administration you keep on starting afresh after every five years, if they do finish their five-year term as uh, executive directors in municipalities. So that's quite a lot with regard to professionalization, qualification. That must happen both in the administrative arm, but also, again, in the political arm where oversight is supposed to be
0: uh, undertaken. Bongani Baloy, uh, the outgoing mayor of Midval Municipality, was on this podcast and he said it was shocking when Salga found out that how few mayors are actually computer literate. I mean, you have people in charge of municipalities who don't know how to use Microsoft Word. Is it really that bad? And then just following up on what you said earlier, who is going to have to create this professional body, this bar for local government, if you like, who's going to do that?
1: Is the legislators, the ambit of what we carry. As COPTA, LG reports to the Department of Higher Education. There are already discussions at that level. Look, the National Assembly will ultimately be the one that creates it. In provincial government and national government, it it is called the Public Service Commission. Their work and duty is to ensure that one, you stick to the mandate and the promise of what you have ethically signed to serve and you are assessed, and you are reviewed. At local government, there isn't such a body or a structure which professionally holds administrators accountable in what they've signed up for and whether they they have been measured correctly in what they've been delivered. So we had made quarter targets of training and refreshing these committees. They are usually made up of 10 councillors, which means in 257 municipalities, as Salka, we've went four to six times in one term to try to ensure to teach them one, what is accountability, why is MPEC there, why are you a member, what is the job and function of you, and what should you do after the AG report has come in. Section 52 uh, of the structured Act says all the financial reports of cancer must be referred to MPEC for proper oversight. And we realize that, the comprehension, the level of understanding, but also persuasion to do the job is a problem. And then we then looked in terms of what have we received? Because remember, Salga receives uh, counselors On the 5th or so, they will be starting with the orientation program. They've got no say on who must come and how they must come. That's the IEC job together with the political parties on whom they forwarded. In fact, there was a clip where I did an interview which relates uh, to this study and and what we have found, that at the inception of COVID, our problems doubled when it comes to cancel attendance and non-cancel attendance, therefore. Even when you have distributed the gadgets now, which is a working tool like a laptop, an iPad or whatever, the meeting still could not sit, And budgets could not be adopted. If you will recall, COVID was announced and level five was in March. And councils by law were supposed to adopt their budgets in June, July. So we ended up having municipalities which reached somewhere around August having difficulties to adopt the budgets of uh, uh, 2019, 2020. And SALKA salca were to come in and assist. And that's what led to that uh, assessment. And we did discover that close to about 62% of our councillors were sitting in this position. We didn't end there. We then met with all political parties and we requested them through our national member assembly to say, this is what we are finding. And this is what you collectively have sent. We just hope this time around, we will be able to receive capacitated individuals. Yes, everyone, including ourselves as COCTA carry the responsibility of refresher, enhancement. But to a certain extent, if you are a counsellor at the city of Johannesburg, which controls around 6.3 billion of rents, you need to be able to understand finances. You need to be able to get the basics of an income statement. How much have you collected in the month? Is that making you able to be a financially stable institution. I may also congratulate the class of uh, 2016 to 2021 of outgoing counsellors. Some have hit the call of registration that we have made and the funds that have been made available by COPTA through uh, legislating that counsellors are allowed to register for higher education to equip themselves so that they'll be able to perform. I mean, out of that 62%, the remainder of about 38% are qualified for uh, councillors. But as a country, we deserve more.
0: Kembi Nkadimeng is the Deputy Minister of Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs. Thank you so much for joining us on The Ballot Box. And we hope to hear from you again in the future. This brings our show to an end. This episode of Ballot Box was presented by Kanita Hunter and produced by Shante Schatz. The music in this episode is courtesy of Getty Images and Epidemic Sound. For more elections content, go to news24.com forward slash elections.